This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you who I've met in person have seen my unbelievable dashboards that I built. You know, I'm an analytics-like crazy person. I love the data. And I love presenting the data in beautiful dashboards that my team can use on their mobile devices, their phones, and TVs throughout the office. Now, the way I do this without having to hire a big development team is at nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. It's using a company called Clipfolio, and I'll tell you more later on in the show how I use them. It's nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. This is episode 646, and coming up tomorrow morning, you'll learn from Alex Meir, who is Ty Lopez's business partner in his company, mentorbox.com. Specifically, you'll learn that Ty owns 50% of the $89 per month membership company, and at launch, they sold 800 units, value at which came out to $80,000 in initial sales all before launch. You want to tune into that if you want to learn more about Ty and Alex. Good morning, everybody. My guest this morning is Sean Ellis. He's the founder and CEO of GrowthHackers.com. Now, he coined the term growth hacking in 2010 after using it to ignite growth for Dropbox, Everbright, LogMeIn, and Lookout. He's also founded and sold customer insights company Qualaroo, growing it to millions of dollars in recurring revenue. Sean, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. It's actually Eventbrite in case uh, in case people what did aren't I say? sure what Everbrite is. <laughs> oh, I said Everbrite. Yeah, I'm so that's sorry. Okay. You know what that is? You know what that is? That's this coffee. It's running yeah. through my system, right? <laughs> Eventbrite. My apologies. So I've seen you speak before at Capital Factory here in Austin. You gave an interesting presentation really focused on viral coefficients and why it's important to decrease the time of the original share to really drive growth. Walk me into kind of an example of how you did that at one of these companies. And then I'm going to ask you why you left that sexy world to go into publishing. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm, I am a founder and CEO of a company as well. So it's, I've got a, I got a lot of different uh, kind of balls in the air right now. But, um, you know, for, for me, like viral growth actually starts like I, I think most people who are approaching viral growth are uh, are approaching it as basically how do you, how do you just gain something and you get kind of like a branch out situation where it's, uh, where maybe you can, you can optimize every step in the loop, but ultimately your, if, if you don't have a lot of value at the foundation of that growth, it's, it's not very sustainable. So, um, most of the growth that I've been doing is, is really focused on understanding the value of a product first and working backwards from there and referral is usually a very natural outcome of having a very valuable experience and then working to, to optimize a viral loop on top of that. So that's, that's the type of thing that we did at Dropbox where we like the uh, referral program would be a, a specific example for you. Would, would most folks at Dropbox kind of credit you as being the guy that kind of thought up, I'm asking you to be a little braggadocious for a second, but would they credit <laughs> you for coming up with the system of giving away free storage to drive the viral coefficient? It was, it was a group. Like most things, I don't think it was something. I mean, there was less than 10 of us at the company at the time. I was the only non-engineer at the company. But most of what we did there was really inspired by uh, what a couple of other companies were doing. So a friend of mine had tested a double-sided referral program, and it had worked really well at his business. Who's that actually, friend? He's Jamie Simonoff, the guy that ran, runs Ring, the uh, super hot video doorbell company now. 
but he, uh, you know, prior to that, he had a company called phone tag where he had basically done a ton of testing and, and came up with this double-sided incentive as being really effective, but, you know, PayPal did the same thing. And so, you know, in our case, the, the currency was stored, so it just made sense. So it was really something that three of us said we should do this and, and basically, uh, you know, pulling the pieces together of how it was done was, was again, a, an iterative group effort. And, and Sean, for the founder listening right now, trying to figure out this viral coefficient thing, right? They've read, you know, David Scott's blog. They've studied the efficiency. They put it in Excel and it's still not working. What are they missing? Like you mentioned currency, which I think is important, or maybe another word is utility that the product's delivering. Mm-hmm. Give them advice. Yeah, I think the the, the first part is, um, again, like I think in the case of Dropbox, people credit the referral program as, as being something that drove a lot of the growth referrals were strong before the referral program went in place. People love the product. We're spreading the word about the product. So I think it, you can't bandaid kind of a crappy product experience and a, and a crappy product value with a referral program, for example. So that's the first thing is I just make sure it's happening and then understand what the motivation is for people to do it. And then think about really every step in the process from what's the prompt that gets someone to share to what's the, invitation or the person on the other end seeing a B test a ton of variations of that when they click through what's the page that they sign up on how do you give feedback to the person who sent the initial invitation that what they did worked and each one of those steps is something that can be optimized and just like any kind of conversion rate optimization the more you have qualitative and quantitative insights about what's happening, you're going to be more informed in the tests that you're running. And and your goal, anytime you're trying to do viral optimization is to get it so that each person is essentially leading to more than one additional person. That's the, that's the point where you actually don't have to, to feed any new people in the system. You, you grow automatically then it's, it's pretty rare that that happens, but I think even if you get each person bringing in only 0.7 additional people, you can start to average down the customer acquisition cost of someone so that now you're really acquiring, say, three people before that chain dies, and you can divide your initial customer acquisition cross across that chain. Quickly, I want to understand the incentives you use at these different companies, because a lot of founders, that's what they struggle with, is what to give us the incentive to do this. Dropbox, the currency with storage, what was Eventbrite? Uh, so Eventbrite, again, it, Eventbrite actually did not have an incentive. Eventbrite is just a natural, a really natural kind of viral product in itself that an event organizer sets up an event among their attendees at that event who then come through the system and buy t- tickets and, and have a good experience buying those tickets. Someone, someone is going to be a potential event organizer, an existing event organizer, and they're now exposed experientially to uh, Eventbrite. And so now that when it comes time for them to organize their event, they're much more likely to use Eventbrite. And then increasingly, Eventbrite really helps companies sell tickets as well. So over time, you, you are going to gravitate not just to the really convenient experience that Eventbrite offers, but you're going to uh, actually go to the the system that has really good SEO, really good social integration, kind of all of the pieces that are going to help you sell more. But as an attendee at an event, you see all of those things and your your likelihood of them becoming an event organizer is, is, is quite a bit higher. Let's do one or two more. LogMeIn, pretty big company in July twenty, July twenty seventh last year, they they acquired uh, Citrix go to meeting division for I think you know one point eight billion dollars. You worked with them yeah. early on. What was their currency? 
Yeah, so uh, log me in. I worked with for five years. I ran marketing there from customer zero through the IPO filing. Today, it's a $5 billion company. Natural word of mouth was huge with log me in. So by the time I left log me in, 80% of our users were coming in through word of mouth. And uh, But we were spending you know more than a million dollars a month, three months payback on acquiring customers. But this is where I was saying that value drives word of mouth. And word of mouth is really more powerful as, a, as an acquisition loop than incentivized referrals. So we spent most of our time at LogMeIn just making sure when, I, when we first tried to grow the business, majority of people who signed up for the product never actually used the product. And so we spent a lot of time understanding why did you sign up and not download the software? Why did you download the software but never do a remote control session? When we had those insights, we ran a ton of experiments to get more people through. And, uh, and it was really about unlocking acquisition as a channel. What, I'll give you a specific example there. I initially tried to grow it and couldn't grow more than $10,000 a month, couldn't spend more than $10,000 a month growing the business because we had such an inefficient funnel. It just, I lost money every time I tried to expand beyond that 10,000. But once we as a team all worked together, so the CEO really got each of the disparate parts of the business across that customer journey to work together and experiment all the way through that customer experience, we got about 10x improvement in the number of people who sign up and actually use the product. And that led to obviously a lot more revenue, but that also unlocked all the word of mouth. And so as, as soon as we made that change, it took us about two or three months to make that change. I now went back to the same channels that scaled to 10,000 and they scaled to over a million dollars a month in, uh, in my ability to spend to, to, to grow that business. And it was, unlike most VC backed businesses, it was cash flow positive the whole time we were scaling growth there. Because if you're trying to figure out if you're listening right now and you're dealing with, you know, 4% monthly churn or higher, especially in the SMB mid market, and definitely if you're seeing that high churn in the enterprise space, um, you should go. I won't, I'm not going to get into it with Sean here because he's already put this stuff out online. Just go look up how he runs questionnaires to his audience to figure out where the leaky parts of the bucket are. He's got YouTube videos and slide shares on that. I want to focus real quick on more, Sean, now of your story. So you started at Qualaroo uh, and you sold, and I'm pronouncing that correctly, right? That you're pronouncing that correct, yes. And this was a, uh, what what did the service do? So it was, it was customer insights. So I'm such, I'm really passionate about figuring out what's going on with customers because they hold the keys to really figuring out your growth in the business. And so um, we actually acquired that business, um, uh, I think 2012. And um, it, we acquired it from Kiss Metrics. It was called Kiss yeah. Insights at the time. Really, it was kind of this little side business, didn't have much revenue, but I, I liked the product. I'd been an advisor there and actually encouraged them to build it. And when I saw that they weren't doing a whole lot with it, I asked if I could acquire it and uh, took it over and, and built it up to, to, to millions of dollars in recurring revenue. And, uh, and then we sold it yeah, a year ago. But it was basically, it's on a website. You can target based on specific behavior of a user on a website and understand like if they're abandoning a page you can understand why, why did you decide, just like I was saying with, with log me in, why did you decide to sign up for this software, but not download this software? And uh, the insights that you can get from those sorts of questions are super powerful in A-B testing and, and trying to improve the customer experience. So when you bought this from Heaton and Neal in 2012, what'd you pay for it? Uh, less than a million dollars. Okay, less than a million. And what was it in terms of top line revenue at the point when you bought it? Uh, we never disclosed it, but it less was than, it, less than what it was. It was like 
It was way below a hundred thousand a month. Okay, way below hundred thousand a month. You grew, you said yeah. you grew it to millions in ARR. Give yeah. me some sense above what? Millions in ARR. That's that's as far as I'll go with it. Based on based on the out. acquirer. Yeah, on yeah. my acquirer, I was I have an NDA on disclosing where the uh, where the revenue is on the business. Let's put a top on it then. Below ten million. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and who bought it? A uh, company called Xenon. Um, they, they basically, it was a very cash flow positive business. Um, we, we were using a lot of the cash to fund what we thought as our, as kind of our long-term, what we really interested us on the growthhackers.com side. And so it was an asset sale of that business. And, uh, Xenon basically buys businesses and generally buys businesses that don't have a lot of, uh, strong operations around them. But, uh, in this case, they were able to do it on a uh, revenue multiple that made sense for them. And, um, so we had a lot of the good operations in place. Now, Jonathan Siegel as a smart guy with seven kids, Jewish, a brutal negotiator, but man, does he do some amazing deals? He runs Xenon. What trick, what negotiation trick did he do with you to get you to sell a cash flow positive business to him? Uh, I, I wanted to sell it. Like for me, I was, um, I just saw what we were doing with growth hackers as something that I thought could be that billion dollar company. And, um, so for me, I wasn't trying to get top dollar for it. I was really trying to take uh, a distraction off of my plate and go all in on where I thought the future was in the business. Guys, if there are any mini Sean Ellis is listening where you've got a cash flow positive business that you just want to get rid of and sell and you don't care about the multiple, call me 703-431-2709. <laughs> okay, Sean, take us into Growth Hackers. You've got a new book out. It ties with Growth Hackers. Right. First off, why publish a freaking book? People just lose money and it takes a lot of time. I have almost a seven figure advance on the book so that we're not losing money. Got it. So you've pulled, let's say, between 500000 and a million bucks on an advance? Yeah, if you take international rights, it's at about a million. Okay, and who do you sign with? Uh, Crown Business. Crown Business, okay. So they're and the ones, they're, they're a division of Random House, top business book publishers. So they have like Lean Startup, uh, Hard Thing About Hard Things, um, really, really good publishers. They're, they're big. They're one of the top six, easily. Why, um, uh, you have a history with books, right? You've published a few before. How many I have copies? not. This is this oh, you first, haven't. I have self-published, but this is the first one that we've actually done with a publisher. Okay, walk me through the because we have a lot of people that want to write their own books, and mm -hmm. many of them shouldn't, and some of them should, and they're just bad yeah. negotiators. How did you use the traction you'd establish in your self-publishing world to get top dollar advance on the deal with Crown? It had nothing to do with my self-publishing world. I think my just my background, the companies that I've been associated with, and then uh, and the growth hackers itself, um, I think is is something that they looked at as an interesting platform. And there's a ton of people writing books on growth hacking, but I'm the the guy who came up with the term. And so you know they they thought they wanted to partner with me on this book, but they they really uh, yeah I had a lot of publishers approaching me about writing a book on growth hacking. Over over the years or just over, yeah over over the years Wiley approached me probably three or four years ago and um, and and over that time lots of publishers have approached us but Morgan Brown my co-author on the book is an awesome writer and so when we collaborated on the content he's the guy who kind of turned it into into the words that appear in the book and then because we had written this other book together that was a self-published book. We basically had that money sitting in an account that we never kind of took down for ourselves. So we we basically used that money to invest in the launch of this book. So we initially hired an editor to write a proposal. Then we got we, we were what able to cost. Get, uh, maybe 
Less than ten thousand dollars. I want to say maybe eight thousand dollars, and then uh, and then we got a um, a uh, that we, we worked with that editor and through through some context to get one of the top agents uh, out there. Who'd you and, use? Um, suddenly, uh, Lisa. Lisa, her Lisa. name is suddenly. <laughs> she, she, she's DC based, right? Uh, no, she's she, Lisa Damani. I I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing her. No, yeah, I, yeah take your time. Um, guys, yeah, while she's, Sean's, she's awesome. I was gonna say while Sean's looking up that name, guys, this is like a lot of people don't understand this process. Like it's the proposal. Usually you get, you find the agent first, you convince the agent to invest in you. They help you with the proposal. They pitch to the, the thing. Sean has an advantage because he's so well known. But what was her name? Uh, Lisa Demona. Got it. Lisa Demona. <laughs> so you, you never talk to somebody using their last name. But yeah, Lisa Demona. And then she was awesome in basically being able to really help us refine that that initial book proposal and uh, and then get it in front of the right people and negotiate an awesome deal on our behalf. Now, how do you I mean, these publishing guys, uh, they'll say they care about great writing and they do. But I mean, it's a business to them, right? Each book sure. is basically there's a big advance. It's an investment, just like a startup. How do you um, what's your plan? I mean, imagine you have to sell 100,000, 250,000 books, right? In the first very little amount of time to make this kind of the success they want. What's your plan to do that? Um, yeah, besides coming on the podcast, right? (laughs) Step one is, um, is to, to get that momentum out of the gate, to get it onto the New York times bestseller list. Like that's, that's kind of any, any book should really be trying to do that initially. And that how many sales do you need in what period of time to be New York times bestseller? It's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it, it resets every single week. So, um, it's not your sort of aggregate book sales. It's your, it's your weekly throughput. And so you really want to try to concentrate book sales in that first week. Um, and there, there, it's not real clear. It's probably somewhere between 5,000 and 10,000 books in that, in that first week that can, can get you on the list. And then, yeah, you know, like as with anything else, if you get on the list, then it's a lot easier to stay on the list. So that's why you work so hard to, to get on there the, the initial time. I really want to dig here in your brain, though, because so you have one natural advantage in that you've worked your ass off to basically coin this term and you have a ton of experience. So that's one big advantage that's hard to replicate. But you're a growth hacker and a growth hacker's mind on book sales. You must have thought up some crazy ass things from the proposal on how to move these books. Tell me one of these crazy ideas. Well, I think, you know, I, I think people's perception of what growth hacking is, is, is often a little bit flawed. And I think to me, it's less about slam dunk creative ideas. Most things that I think of don't work. That's, that's the reality. And that growth hacking is really more about testing a bunch of stuff and doubling down when something works. And so it's, it's more about kind of just that, that rapid testing process. So that's the thing with the book sales is that you don't know, I can't tell you that awesome thing that I've thought of. Top three things you're testing. So big things we're doing right now is, is a lot of bulk sales. So I've got, you know, hundreds of copies going to Microsoft for, to, to do a presentation in Microsoft. And then I do a book signing with, you know, uh, know, pushing a thousand copies to them. I've got uh, hundreds of copies to a bunch of other companies um, lots, lots of podcast. We're doing, we're doing, uh, bundles with, uh, ticket sales on for our growth hackers conference in May in Los Angeles. So basically every single ticket has a book bundled with it. Um, our growth university, uh, it's basically this growth master training course. We're bundling book sales with that to the point where I'm actually running now bundled ads. And right before this, I, I talked to, uh, talked to my, uh, person who's managing that and we're, we're getting sub fifty dollars sales on on our course 
with the book bundled. And so, you know, wait, I, mean, wait, Sean, I, like I don't follow that. What do you mean sub $50 sales? So it costs, the, our cost of, of selling our course when we bundle a book with it. So our course is a $300 course and it's like a piece of software at that set. In that case, it, it doesn't, um, we don't have any marginal cost on the course once we've created the course. And so being able to sell a course for $300 with the book for 50 bucks, how many of those do you want to sell of those numbers? I mean, so it's early still, but it looks, that looks really promising. So it's, it's really this, this aggregation of a whole bunch of stuff and then having, you know, in, in the per quarter were, were probably a million people coming through growth hackers and, uh, and another, I think 400,000 across our different social accounts, followers. Um, it, it, so it, like all of these things add up and I'm, I'm actually at the conversion XL conference right now. So I'm oh, uh, you're like, I wish should have met up. You're down there with, with pep down there in San Antonio, right? I'm in Austin. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I just, uh, I just listened to your uh, interview with him. what do you uh, think? Earlier. Smart guy. He's super smart. Yeah. Dude, I, there are so many of these info product people that just, I just don't have a lot of respect for because they live launch to launch and they're broke and they pay affiliates 90% of their sales. He right. is killing it. I mean, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I, Put it this way, I sent that recording out to many of my team members because we've got our training component too, and there, there's a lot to learn from Pep. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm glad he came on the show. Um, okay, cool. So I got that, understood kind of growth. Oh, you must, it sounds like you're doing a lot of bundling. How many books did you commit to buy up front? Like 10,000, 5,000? Uh, you, you personally? I didn't commit to buy any. So the ones you're bundling with like your courses or your tickets, who's paying for those? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the price of the ticket. So I, I, oh. I wouldn't make my company pay for the, for the book to ju just give away. But if they're paying, if they're paying $300 for a course and the book costs 20 bucks, then, then they're getting the book and the course for the $300. It's a, it's a good deal. And our conference is a thousand dollars. We're bundling a $20 book with a thousand dollar ticket. Now the company's not paying for it. The person's actually buying both the book and the course, and we're just dividing the, you know, the, the, the two pieces or, or the book and the conference. Last question, because this is kind of the, one of those things like social media marketing. There's so much noise in the growth hacking space, right? So your challenge is helping people understand like you're legit, right? You got Ryan Holiday with his little, you know, ebook. You've got Near with a version, you know, hooked. Um, why should people buy this book over those two books or any other growth hacking books? I think a lot like Ryan Holiday's book was awesome to bring attention to growth hacking and, and to get people talking about it and thinking about it. But there hasn't really been that guidebook for what do you do as a team? And especially for, for bigger companies that want to replicate what Facebook has done and what Uber has done. And some of these, some of these companies that have taken teams across that full customer journey and are running optimization across that full journey and working all of the levers of growth and the testing process, that stuff is hard. You know, marketing as just an acquisition channel, that's not that hard, but you actually need cultural change, cross-functional coordination and collaboration. And so being able to have a guidebook that shows a company how to latch onto those things and then ultimately guidance around how to, how to work each of those levers effectively. So we've got, um, you know, the method building the growth team, what, what you need foundationally to be able to drive growth. And then a lot of stuff on just the tactical of how, how to manage different areas of the funnel for growth. But, uh, it's super powerful, but I think people, people need the help and that's, that's what the book does. And that's what most of the components of my business do.
And last difference I want you to point out, if you're the young hotshot in growth hacking space, you could call Jeffrey Moore of Crossing the Chasm the kind of the grandfather. A lot of that book is hugely popular. What's the main difference between the two? Uh, between my crossing book the, and crossing the chasm, I think crossing the chasm is really a an observation on how it is. You know that you you need these early adopters, and then you need to get it to mainstream. And there's different motivations. I think it doesn't tell you organizationally how to how to organize your team to exploit that situation. And so that I think that to me that's really what we're doing is not just telling you the fundamentals of how growth works. We're telling you how to run a growth process across a team, effectively prioritize, build a big backlog of experiments, prioritize which experiments get run, and ultimately capture the learning around how to grow your business. And so scaling a company like Dropbox is a $1 billion revenue SaaS business today. And you can't, you can't scale to that level on just clever growth hacks that one or two people are doing. You need to have a very integrated, coordinated team. And the best time to build that into your business is early when the culture is still malleable to do it. So I think I was able to do it at Dropbox because there were less than 10 of us. And if you, they, they're the fastest company, fastest SaaS business to ever get to the $1 billion revenue run rate. And I just, I don't think that would happen if we didn't make those, uh, those built the right systems in place when they were small. When I was recently in New York meeting dozens and dozens of you that listened to the show, I showed many of you guys my SaaS analytics dashboard. I also showed you my website and a conversion dashboard from impression to free trial to paying customer, along with many other dashboards I use in my business, like my social media command center and a few others. Now, all of these are built with one tool. I just dragged and dropped them together. You can see how I did that at nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. Now, these dashboards, guys, are critical to my business. You know, I refresh them on my mobile phone right when I wake up in the morning. I roll over and boom, refresh. Wow, I'll refresh them right before I'm about to take off on a flight because I'm just addicted to data and numbers. They drive my business. So I think they probably drive your business too. You can see my dashboards, how I use them at nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. Now, if you go to the regular website, that's the tool is called Flipfolio, you only get 14 days free. You go through my link, you get 90 days free. So I got a great deal for you guys. It does expire. So you got to go there now, nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere, your website's going so fast, how'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator, I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator, and the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use, because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin, and guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45 day money back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. All right, guys, there you have it from Sean Ellis. Sean, let's wrap up with a famous five. These are quick answers. Number one, besides your own, what's your favorite business book? Uh, I, I really like the hard thing about hard things. It's just a good reminder that that this stuff is hard and it just doesn't doesn't happen overnight. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, maybe Pep Lai after your recent uh, after your recent uh, interview with him. Awesome. Number three, bes uh, besides you know any of these you're, you're you're associated with, what's your favorite kind of online tool for business productivity? Business productivity, as weird as it sounds, I actually think the Calm app. 
calm. Yeah, basically guided meditation. There's awesome. the, the app on the guided meditation. Like it, the fact that you can do two minute meditations, five minute medica- meditations. I if if I hit that part at any point in the day where I just need to, a quick recharge and reset, I am so much more productive the rest of the day after I do that. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I'm pretty good about getting eight hours of sleep. And what's your current situation? Married, single? Do you have kids? Uh, kids and married. Kids well, and I just married. had my 20th anniversary. Wow, that's congratulations. How many kids? Thank you. Uh, two girls, uh, 17 and 15. Oh, wow. And how old are you, Sean? I'm 46. 46. By the way, you said you listen to the show. I always like asking those questions because you go, okay, Nathan just talked to this guy that's raised a quarter of a billion dollars, but he's divorced with three kids and he only sleeps four hours a night. Do you really want to replicate that? I, right. Do you like those questions or not? No, I think it's good to understand. You know, I used to read a bunch of, uh, of, of biographies on really successful people and I found them really ex- inspiring, but then you read like Ted Turner, multiple suicide attempts. I mean, I mean, I might be wrong there, so don't, I'm not necessarily fake news. Um, but I, I think <laughs> I read that he, uh, that he like, I mean, what you find is that a lot of these guys are kind of miserable once they get to that level of success. And so, you know, I, I definitely feel like I could be I could be more successful in life if that was the only thing that happened more successful financially. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to get out surfing a couple days a week. I just, you know, the, it's a it's a marathon and uh, and quality of life is important. And for me, for me, I, I do this not for money. I do this for um, I'm just really passionate about it and trying to trying to figure growth out and being able to work with companies to figure it out and give them software and give them conferences and give them training and just, you know, kind of collaboratively, we're, we're just so early in figuring out how companies grow. And so it's, uh, I, it's just a, like a, a privilege for me to be able to do these things. And of course, when I took in venture capital, that means I have to try to build a big valuable business. But, um, but I think you do that not through chasing money really hard you do that through trying to build something that's actually game-changing and important and that money's a side effect of that that's not the that's not the the driver sean take us home you've got you've got you've got a girl about to hit this age but take us back 26 years what do you wish your 20 year old self knew uh yeah to tell you the truth i wish my 20 year old self knew things are going to be pretty good that like i'm going to make a lot of good decisions i i i don't have a lot of regrets i you know, 20 years ago, I just had moved to Eastern Europe, um, or, you know, just not, not quite, uh, 20 years ago, I, I guess I'd just gotten back, but, uh, it's yeah, things, things were good. I, I had 20 years ago, I actually started doing what I'm doing. So I was, uh, running marketing for a game company that was one year away from going public on the Vienna stock exchange. And, uh, I put every dollar invested into that company one year before that. So, um, it's been a, been a crazy ride. It's been very lucky along the way. And, um, it's, uh, it's still a lot of fun. There you guys have it from Sean Ellis. Everything will be okay. He started this many, <laughs> many years ago, as he just said, back when he was 20 has worked with companies like Dropbox fastest guys to hit a billion dollars credited with creating the term growth hacking back in 2010. He's been fighting off publisher inquiries for years. He's finally writing the book growth hackers helped again. These companies like Eventbrite, Dropbox, Lookout, log me in, which is now a $5 billion company. He also has his own company, growthhackers.com. Grab the book. You can find it. It's a beautiful, bright, big red color. You can't miss it. And Sean, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. It's Hacking Growth is the name of the book. Oh, Hacking Growth. Thank you for telling me. (laughs) Hacking Growth. All right. Thanks, thanks, guys. 
If you enjoyed Scott today, go back and listen to Kenny yesterday. He created WeFarm, which helps 140,000 off-grid farmers learn faster. He's raised $1.7 million and has 90% of his users are still active after three months, which is an incredible ratio. Tune in to find out how he drives such high engagement. It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners, but boy, oh boy, it makes my day and it makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Okay, Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan.